Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to The London is Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head over to worldsoccershop.com for the official London is Blue gear. All right. Well, we've got another FA Cup podcast, ladies and gentlemen. It wasn't a pretty match. We understand that. Uh, But thankfully, we got the result and have plenty to talk about. Joining me to talk Chelsea, as always, are the ever-reliable Dan and Nick. Dan, I love how well we're doing in that FA Cup. Even if it's considered a second-tier competition, I watched the highlights of us beating Liverpool 2-1 to in the 2012 FA Cup final, and it brought back some amazing memories. It made you miss uh, the special one on Mana there. Yeah, seeing you know Lamps get a goal in there. But, you know, I did have to watch Andy Carroll <laughs> put one past Petr Cech. That hurts does, Andy, does Andy Carroll still play in the Premier League? He does, West Ham. Hmm. Good for him. He never well, they, they don't have to meet you, Payette, so they have to you know, change <laughs> about something. They uh, uh, actually replaced the big banner outside uh, of Payet with uh, Andy Carroll. What a downgrade that is. 
<laughs> just kind of shows you where they're at. But anyways, guys, uh, we've got some more people who would like a shout out on the pod. So, Nick, it is your turn this week. Who left us some iTunes review? Uh, so we have Rovering the World uh, with a five star review. And I must say a, a almost a full paragraph of uh, feedback for us. Um, just a fantastic thing to read. Uh, you know, it, we are we are human beings. We love to see this uh, this kind of stuff, and it it's awesome to see how you take in our show weekly and and kind of what stands out to you from our show. So the feedback is fantastic. Uh, alongside rovering the world, we have Scrappy San Diego um, or Grappy Scrappy Dappy Diego. Sorry, whoops, messed that up. But um, another really fantastic review, both five stars. Uh, Dan, how would how would a person be able to get a shout out from you on the next pod? Well, they would uh, they would go to their respective country's iTunes store and mm-hmm. uh, click on the option to review the podcast and, and hopefully leave a five star review. You know, four would be okay, but we'd like five. And uh, you know, just kind of leave some comments. Maybe this week you could tell us, uh, you know, what your favorite things is uh, is or are about Nick's voice. Hmm. Is it the deepness or the or the scratchiness? I mean, there are a lot of options. The gravel, the grit. <laughs> Please tell us in your next review, and we'll uh, talk about it next week. Exactly. If you guys want to shout out, the easiest way to get that is to leave that five star review in iTunes. But you know what? We've got a awesome deal for you all. So before we kick this off, we're going to go ahead and share this out. Uh, Nick, what do we have going on this weekend? In the U.S. this week, uh, it is President's Day, which is uh, a day to honor Washington and Lincoln's birthdays, um, which, you know, we're great presidents. Uh, So uh, that is that is on Monday. So World Soccer Shop is doing a kind of presidential deals thing. Uh, One of the things that we would like to feature, Dan, is what? I think there's the uh, presentation jacket that they have right now. It used to be $89.99. Uh, currently forty nine ninety nine, and you know you might have seen Antonio Conte wearing this in his press conference leading up to the match uh, against the Wolves. So if you want to look as good as Antonio Conte, we would recommend going to WorldSoccerShop.com. Uh, using our referral link, we'll post that in the show notes, and uh, it's the easiest way to support the show. Magic hair growth not included. <laughs> All right. Well, as you all came here for, we have it, the Wolverhampton Wanderers match review. Uh, In case you didn't know, the Wolves are sitting in the bottom half of the EFL championship currently, and they are managed by former Premier League manager Paul Lambert. This was the FA Cup fifth round tie, and we went to the Molyneux Stadium on this past Saturday. In case you missed it, Chelsea won 2 to zero against the Wolves. Prediction time from Jay Heal, our man on Facebook. He set it up, and Justin Coleman actually predicted it two nothing. And I'd like to point out, uh, he predicted two nothing Nick before the match. Unlike some people, always helpful to do it before the match. <laughs> um, if you do it after the match, you're just repeating what's what's already happened. So before the match is good, Justin. Well done. Yes, it no longer becomes a prediction at that point. <laughs> uh, Dan, lineup time. You know, Premier League lineup time, it's not that exciting. I understand. But it's FA Cup lineup time. So many surprises. Yeah, you know, we, we did know from the press conference heading to this match that Luis and Alonso would get a little 
R and R. You know, obviously they've been kind of nursing some injuries throughout the season here, uh, but we went with a relatively strong lineup. You, know, you had Hazard, Costa, William up top. You had Moses, Fabregas, uh, Nate, Dog, Shalobe getting in next to uh, Pedro playing a wing back role. Zuma, Terry returns the lineup for the first time in what it feels like forever. Next to uh, our boy Nathan Ake, happy birthday. And then at Begovich between the sticks with uh, Courtois getting a little bit of rest. Yeah, and it's good to see that he was actually posting some footage from the stands, so he is not already over here in the United States again. <laughs> yeah, probably a, a good shout from his social media manager or his representation to uh, film where he is in relation to the team in very close proximity. Yes. Uh, you know, kicking this off, everyone, we've got the goals, right, Nick? So 65th minute. We had to wait so long for this match, but we'll get into that. Pedro, as a left wing back, sneaks in unmarked at the far post where William found him with a, honestly, a very simple cross. Uh, Pedro took his chance with poise, and it really changed the momentum of this entire match. Yeah, we'll we'll get into the flow of the entire match and kind of how ugly it was uh, here in a little bit. But uh, just for the goal and just for Pedro, it was an important moment. Uh, he had not played very well up to this point uh, and was, you know, as, as a wingback, we'll have a little discussion about him in a little bit too. But as a wingback, he kind of struggled today. Uh, I think it was a really good move though overall, Dan. Uh, you know, you kind of had to feed in uh, and then a, a, a simple cross, but a actually kind of a complex header. You know, I know that it looked easy on TV, but he's kind of facing the post and has to sneak that in between the goalkeeper and the post. Not the easiest header in the world, and especially not for a guy who is known for his heading ability. He has two headers in the last few matches. So uh, pretty uh, pretty solid uh, goal-scoring start to this game. Well, our friend David uh, Pastor at We Ain't Got No History did point out that the sideline video showed Antonio Conte once again, Jedi, uh, heading the ball in himself. So I feel like there's always a little bit of influence that the manager is exerting. Um, may have to look into the uh, vote of no confidence in the FA is probably in relation to the fact that Jedi powers being used on the sideline by an Italian manager, Antonio Conte, uh, needs to be uh, reviewed. He also said after the match, these are not the droids you're looking for. So I don't even know what that means, but uh, I think there there might be something to that. I'm kidding with that last part, by the way. It was good to see him be clinical as well. Uh, Jeff Brazella uh, tweeted at us saying the difference between how clinical and direct Pedro is and the 267 touches everyone else <laughs> takes before shooting is eye opening. And I know Nick, I don't want to open that, that can of worms <laughs> to you, but for you, that is a, a massive pet peeve that we've seen from Chelsea lately. So uh, as it stands, Pedro now has four goals. Uh, let's see, actually let's rewind that. He has scored in the third, fourth and fifth rounds of the FA cup this season, four, four, two providing that. So essentially he's got four goals in three games He's loving the FA Cup, and I'm pretty sure he started at least two of those three matches as a wingback. So next goal up on the stat sheet, we had, again, another another long, long wait for us. 89th minute, Diego can't stop scoring. Costa finds his form again because what do you know, Dan? Costa found himself in front of goal instead of out wide and was able to take his chance first time. 
Yeah, you know, we talked about in the past couple of weeks that, you know, Costa having to drop a little bit further back with some of the, the pressing that we've seen from a couple of our past matches. And, you know, this one found him, you know, through some great work from you know, Conte coming on later in the match, uh, connected with Fabregas, back to Conte, kind of got bumbled around and made it way in front of Diego's feet. And he knew where to slot it, you know, far to the left, you know, past the goalkeeper. And uh, you know, look, over 400 minutes, uh, I think 431 or something, or 413, uh, dyslexia is awesome, um, between Diego's last goal and uh, this goal that he scored. So uh, great to see him back on the score sheet. And uh, that, that's where you want your striker to be, in front of the goal, uh, getting an opportunity to score. And and he took it first time. I mean, he he's one of these guys that Jeff Porcello mentioned in his tweet, and, and big shout-out to Jeff. Uh, as well, but he, he takes too many touches and tries to be too cute sometimes. I mean, he just whacked this thing first time, and he has enough power in his shot to make it past most championship goalkeepers pretty easily. So I think that was pretty important for him to uh, to just find space and just to whack one and see what happened. Yep. We've had to grind out a few results recently. He hadn't been seeing much of the ball, so it was good to get him involved and get on the score sheet. All right. Well, question number one from this match review. Conte put in a whole new defense. Yeah, you can exclude exclude Moses as a wing back, but you know, four out of the five is essentially a new defense. Uh, Dan, what did you make of their performance today, and who was your standout defender? Um. Yeah. So Pedro in a wing back. Probably the last time we'll see that this season, given. Uh, Depending upon who we draw in the next round of the FA Cup, uh, you might get some tough opposition, you know, opposition like a, like a Lincoln, mm. uh, you know, Sutton, uh, that, hopefully. That one, uh, Sutton, uh, Millwall. You also might get an easy team like an Arsenal, and mm-hmm. you know you really have to think about you know you know can we get Alonso more rest if we get a chance to play the Gunners? I don't know. Um, so something <laughs> to consider there. One of the things I thought was really impressive was the birthday boy Nathan Ake. I think had a really really stout game in the uh, left center back position and he was, you know, provided a lot of cover, you know, where you saw maybe Zuma make a a few mistakes uh, from a tactical standpoint. Uh, Again, just still looks like he's trying to allow his body and I think to catch up with the the speed of the game. There are a few times where he was caught out of position or, you know, seemed like he was playing back to Begovic instead of having the confidence to to push the ball forward himself. Uh, Ake looked composed, looked, you know, very much the, the Premier League developed individual from his time at Bournemouth. And definitely, I think, also allowed John Terry to look more comfortable too, which I think is the biggest testament to the quality of his play, is that he was able to make a uh, unfortunately aging John Terry uh, look much better today. Uh, and that was a, a great thing to see. I actually think, though, and I'm going to just take this directly from Brandon, I, I think John Terry played pretty well overall. I know there were a couple of shaky moments, but... I think on the whole, <clears throat> past the first 20 minutes in the game where it was just very, very frantic and there was just a lot going on, I think overall, um, John Terry was the captain and he, and he played like it. And especially at the end of the game, you saw some of those uh, set pieces. He was the one organizing. And it, I will say it does, you know, him and Louise are both really good at putting people in the right positions on set pieces to to make an impact. And I think he did a really good job. So uh, credit to John Terry. 
You know, I, I wouldn't take any credit away from him. I actually think, you know, from what we've seen in a couple of his past performances, this was, I think, the best performance we've seen from him in his past few appearances. But I, I I, what I do think is that Nathan Ake, with his speed and his pace, and even Zuma, even though he was a little out of sorts at times, a couple of deflections back on his passes, uh, you know, kind of inability to move the ball forward at certain times, kind of slowing down the attack or the counterattack, they allowed Terry a little bit more freedom than maybe if we had Aspilicueta and Cahill on his sides, because ultimately they're not maybe as mobile as some of those, you know, youth players, not as fast, not as uh, dominant in, in those kind of areas. Well, we did have some tweets about the defense, you know, uh, at Jonathan Kidd, uh, shout out to the Chelsea fan cast right there, <clears throat> you know, says question, Pedro is clearly not a wing back discuss. Uh, you know, as we mentioned, hopefully, you know, it, he's able to continue just being a forward where he's way more effective. Uh, interesting question uh, from Eric in email says, is the long-term position for Ake wing back or center back? Uh, I think that, you know, the question will be, he has the pace, but does he have the attacking prowess and skill set to be the wing back going forward? Um, to me, I'm not really sure. I think that the fact that the guy can stand up strong and, 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 and play that center back role is very valuable to Chelsea because, you know, Zuma did have understandably so ups and downs in this match as he's coming back recovering, uh, you know, not only from the injury, but our back line has been playing at a really high level. So he has to make an even higher jump than, you know, where we were at last year, last year, we were not playing as competent defenders um but then you know dan we've also got a tweet from at chelsea eric underscore saying he feels like ake is getting a little bit of favoritism and maybe it's uh, a little bit of a, a hype train yeah you know i think what you saw in this match is obviously uh, another costa um the the wolves costa was coming down that, that right hand side and or sorry left hand side you can look at it and you know, that's also the side of hazard pedro and ake and if you have to be pulling duty to protect uh, for Hazard and then also for Pedro, who is not in necessarily the position that a wingback should be in, uh, that's a lot of additional defensive responsibility. And so I think he got a lot of, a lot of stand-up play. They did definitely leak some crosses in from that side. Uh, I think that we had you know, four or five crosses pretty quickly in the match uh, from the Wolves, especially with Costa. But that definitely, uh, I think he definitely earned, earned some stripes today with the way that he, he stood up, the way that he was able to allow Pedro to ultimately get forward, allow Hazard in the second half to get back into the game and, and not necessarily have them worry about could he hold up that side by himself because he did, I think, a really strong job at that. Yeah, I would, I would add to that. And I'm, I'm going to go back to Jonathan Kidd's question to make this point. Pedro is not a wing back. He, he never has played that role in his career. He's simply filling in, uh, I think, for uh, Antonio Conte and, and to you know be a, a warm body in that position. But that's clearly not uh, his best role. You know, it's a little easier against lesser competition to kind of make up for that. But, you know, as far as Ake goes, I, I, I mean, not only was he fantastic on the ground, making tackles, tracking back, you know, doing all those extra defensive duties that Dan just mentioned, he was fantastic in the air yesterday. Um, I thought that he really showed up uh, in a big way, especially when, you know, some of these set pieces and crosses were ro rolling in. He was able to make really good competitive challenges with guys who were, 
at his height or maybe a little above. So uh, really just wanted to give, you know, I know that uh, Eric doesn't think, you know, he, he played all that well, perhaps, but uh, I think given the flow of the game, Brandon and how everything was kind of rolling uh, that he stepped up big in a role that, you know, you have to realize he's transitioned roles now. This is the third time. So he's either started as a wing back and transitioned to center back or started as center back and transitioned to wing back. That's not easy, especially with Conte. So uh, I think he does deserve the the hype. It's good to see. Uh, you know, obviously we'd love to hear what the rest of our listening audience has to say. So feel free to get in touch with us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email, website. From a tackle statistic, it looks like Chelsea's backline held their own really well. Uh, just so you guys know, uh, they were to, they had 20 out of 30 tackles were successful. Uh, JT and Moses at the top of the pile for most tackles in the match with four each. Uh, good to see Fabregas and Shalaba being the next two players on the list. You know, obviously, it, they had a lot of work to do today, but, you know, they were putting in the defensive shift, helping out. And that's really what opened up the ability for Moses and Pedro to get forward. Um, all right, cool. Uh, let's go to the next question then. People were discussing if Diego Costa should start last week. You know, we we're talking about he's in a bit of a slump. Should we give him some time off to recover and get back to 100%? That's what people who, you know, were saying he need to boost his confidence. Then the other side of the aisle, people are saying, no, 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 he needs to play because if we can get him a goal or two against a championship team, that'll boost his confidence. Obviously, Conte chose to play him. And to me, he seems like a player who, even during a slump, he's going to want to play Nick and he's going to want to score. So he got his goal, even though it was right at the end. Uh, but how did, you know, big man Diego do today? I thought he had a really hard time, uh, to be honest with you. I, I think that uh, Wolves, to their credit, and, and we can get into kind of the flow of the game stuff, uh, Wolves played a really frantic, high-pressing, you know, ruthless game because they had to. I mean, they obviously were out-talented by Chelsea on the pitch, so they had to out-effort Chelsea. Uh, Diego, the first half was his head wasn't even close to being in the game. Uh, you know, had a couple of challenges that went unnoticed by uh, by our friend John Moss for the fiftieth straight game that he's refereed our, our match. So um, his head was not in it, and I, and I tweeted out from our podcast account uh, at halftime that Conte had to calm him down because he was he looked like he was on the war path to get you know another sending off, um, but. You know, a second half, I think he calmed down a little bit, was getting a bit better uh, service. But still, Dan, it wasn't it wasn't anything super impressive to me. I don't know how you feel. Oh, so I think from the selection part of the question is, you know, should Costa have been selected? And I will point to Lincoln beating Burnley, Manchester City uh, drawing with uh, Huddersfield Town you know, Leicester losing to, to Millwall, uh, you know, Tottenham now has gone ahead, but like there are teams, you know, Liverpool is out of this competition uh, for not playing a, a strong lineup against this exact same team. You know, there, there needs to be, I think a respect in the lineup to go out and, and want to win these matches uh, because ultimately it's going to be a trophy at the end of the season. And, you know, I, I do think, uh, after this win today, you know that we are probably one of the, one of the two favorites to to win this this competition. I, I think that 
Costa goes in, in slumps and he needs to he needs to continue playing to continue his, his hot hand. And when he pauses and doesn't play, that's when you you know we've seen in the past that he isn't able to remain as consistent with his goal scoring because uh, you know he does he doesn't tend to score in clumps. He's not like a two or three goal game. Um, he's a one almost every game kind of goal scorer. And so from that standpoint. I think it was absolutely the right call to play him. I think I, I do agree that we saw a little bit of uh, bad bad Diego instead of good Diego in the first half, where he he definitely was you know, a little bit more uh, chatty uh, towards some of the other players, maybe a little bit more uh, hands in, in areas where they shouldn't be on maybe like faces. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, things that Jonathan Moss, you know, just uh, yeah, maybe he maybe he'll go to uh, to the uh, the Saudi league. Maybe he'll follow Clattenburg. Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be interesting. Um, but yeah, I think that it was right to play him. I think he looked much better in the second half. I'm really happy he got a goal, especially heading into you know the last 13 games of the Premier League season. You want him to be on form. And as much as I want hashtags minutes for Mishi, uh, this was not going to be a game where you were going to start him. Well, speaking of that, at mile high underscore Hokey asked us if Conte was trying to get Costa going by playing him today, or does he hate Mishi that much? I mean, Dan, <laughs> hate is a strong word, and I'm sure Conte does not hate Mishi, but it's to the point where I think, to me, you play Costa because he's by far our best striker, and to the point you made, we need him on fine form as we head the last stretch of the season. So it's just more about making sure Costa's taken care of and in the right mental state, rather than saying, no, 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 I'm literally not going to play Mishi because I don't rate him. Yeah, I don't. I think that's a... I mean, I love Jay. I love how much he tweets at us and appreciate his, his perspective on it. And I think that it's easy to think, you know, in a vacuum, like, why is this guy not getting minutes? And it's tough. And, and credit to, to Mishi, who seems like the you know happiest dude in the world just to be on the squad and, and with these players and kind of a part of this campaign, even in the minimal appearances he's made, uh, at least through his social media kind of presence. But you know, you, you're, you're asking... You know, our, our Jedi Master Conte to displace, you know, one of the best you know scorers in the world right now from a, a striker center forward standpoint, and that that's just that's really hard to do. And you know, I, I think that that's the challenge that we feel when we're wondering, well, why can't Ruben Loftus Cheek get some minutes in a game like this? Well, did you see how long it took us to score with a lot of people that are currently playing in our starting eleven? in the Premier League against a championship team. And that's why, like, this is not a perfect team. It is a, or a you know, with all of these standout individuals, it is a team forged together by an exceptional manager who is milking every bit of performance out of these players that he can manage to get us to, I think, a very unprecedented uh, title run. Well, you know, at the end of the day, Diego Costa had three shots. Only one of them were on goal, and it went in. So from an efficiency standpoint, he did very, very well. Um, third question, Nick. We talked about uh, quite a bit last week about how Chelsea weren't – they just weren't clinical in front of goal. We had 13 shots but only two on target against Burnley. Was this week's FA Cup – match a sign that last week was only a minor bump and that Chelsea 
overall are still uh, sharp? Um, <laughs> I, I wish I could like inclusively say yes. I, I don't know if the sample size is big enough to make that determination, to be honest, but uh, it looked a little better today. Um, you know, I, I think Pedro, yeah, who, who was it that said that Pedro might be our most clinical finisher? So, somewhat, maybe it was the fa- uh, Chelsea fan cast uh, that I was listening to last week that said that, but um. Yeah, I, Pedro helps there for sure because, you know, as our as our boy Jeff just said at the top of the script, I mean, he doesn't have to take the touches that it appears that everyone else does. I, I thought today, if, you know, if we're being honest, Willian was brilliant in some cases. And then as soon as it, like, even got close to the box, he would do something to bleep it up. And he had a couple of amazing opportunities that Fabregas put on a plate for him. Uh, that he just couldn't deal with, and and that was kind of disappointing. But I, I think overall we'll be okay. Um, you know, we haven't even talked about Eden Hazard yet, which I think is telling for this match. Uh, he's a he's a good finisher when he chooses to be, and if we get Costa back rolling, um, then I think we should be okay for the end of the year. He actually was not even in our top five players for shots today. Um, doing different types of work. But, you know, <laughs> Dan, obviously this match was a war of attrition. You know, Wolves set out to frustrate us. Uh, we're going very high pressure from the very first whistle. Uh, did you see Chelsea play a patient game and kind of wait for opportunities to present themselves? You know, it's not always easy when there are a lot of changes to the squad. You lose some chemistry. You combine that with Wolves' high pressure. Uh, but I guess, did you feel like Chelsea felt they were in control or w- were we backed up against the wall by Wolves today? Well, I think it's a, it changed about the match because I think the first, you know, Nick made a call that the first 20 minutes were a little rocky and definitely did not look like we had exerted any control. And there was one golden opportunity in front of goal for Wolverhampton to, to score early on. And a, a former Chelsea product uh, did, not, did not convert. So we, we were very lucky, I think, in that part. I think overall, you know, we, man, we, we changed so many, though, you know, kind of players. I mean, there's seven kind of changes in this, this match, which is less than we've seen in previous FA Cup matches, nine. Um, you know, I, it's hard to say that, like, this side is now more polished because ultimately when we look to, you know, our next match against Swansea, you know, Fabregas will probably not be in the starting lineup. Chaloba will probably not be in the starting lineup. Ake will probably not be in the starting lineup. Begovic, Terry, Zuma. So, you know, we're going to see, you know, wholesale changes, and it's going to be up to, you know, that team and that 11 to go forward and do a great job in that match. So I think while the statistics were better for this match versus our match maybe at Burnley, uh, it's also two, two different sides almost. Hmm. I mean, I can see that for sure, you know, and, and absolutely we understand that. Uh, I think that Chelsea, you know, realized the players that the way the the tempo and the pace that Wolves started the match, even at halftime, I'm sure Conte told them, look, they cannot sustain this, like as much as we can move the ball and them, like this is not a style of play they're used to at the championship level where Chelsea 
even their subs, but by the way, their subs, uh, I'm sorry, when I say subs, I mean the guys who came in off the bench to play today, like uh, Shalaba, like Zuma, like even, even to an, an extent Fabregas, they were fit and ready to go. I mean, they lasted through this entire match and, you know, just saying like, be patient. They're going to wear down. They're going to die. And then we can bury them. And, you know, the last 30 minutes was obviously a completely different match compared to what it was in the first 60. I don't know. I just kind of wonder if that is something that they're conscious of or just kind of happened that way. You know, like you said, when you have so many different changes, even in a match, it does take a little bit of time to kind of feel people out and understand what, what they're trying to do, even though you have a common system. But again, like overall, I think that, um, you know, while it wasn't the way we wanted Chelsea to win, the fact of the matter is we got the shutout. We got two goals. We did get the victory and we're on to the next FA Cup. Uh, round without having a replay or even worse, you know, losing like some of the, some teams did this weekend. Yeah. I mean, look, you need a full team to make this work, right? Because uh, we saw David Louise, you know, injury concerns. We saw our Alonzo injury concerns, you know, that you, you need a full team of guys to go and make this cup run a reality. And, you're happy for the guys who took their chance today. You really are like happy for Shaloba, who I think uh, struggled a little bit at the beginning of the match, but then, you know, finished strong. You know, you're definitely happy that Zuma continues to get playing time, even though he wasn't brilliant today. I- I'm-, I'm excited for these guys. And as a team, you know, uh, Brandon's been on this uh, on, on a team before you want to see the, the guys who don't play all the time, pull their weight. You know, because then it, it makes them feel like they're a bigger part of the entire picture as well. I'm sure that's what Antonio Conte wants uh, heading into next year, that he's going to get as much experience uh, and as many different types of experiences as possible for the younger guys and uh, that it'll make them harder and, and faster and stronger next year. All right. Well, true or false time. Chelsea showed they have depth today after grinding out the result against the championship team. Dan, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I would say true. You know, I, I think there are players that, you know, if we had, you know, one or two injuries that we could look to to put in, I think Nathan Ake, you know, if someone like Gary Cahill got injured, uh, would not be, you know, a, a drastic step down from a performance standpoint. You know, I, I think Fabregas, you know, uh, continues to show that, you know, we've got some wonderful talent on the bench, especially when we know that uh, maybe a team is going to come back and, and sit and allow him to have some space and kind of to work the ball forward. And he had uh, that one pass to William, which uh, so, so gutted that William just couldn't, couldn't turn that around and score uh, very early in the game. And uh, yeah, we, we definitely have depth. I think it's not as deep as you'd want if we were competing, you know, for the uh, EFL and then also for you know, champions league but it's enough depth for this season that we're in right now. Nick, same thing to you. Enough. Um, need more. And I think, <clears throat> pardon me, that's not a uh, a shot across the bow to any of our players. I think that just the way that this year has gone, there hasn't been a tremendous amount of opportunity to kind of switch it up. Like you're just not going to do that when you go on a 13-match unbeaten streak and – uh, you know, so you, you want to see these guys get their opportunities. There will be plenty of opportunities next year, though. So uh, with a couple additions in the summer and and the stronger core heading into next year, everyone's going to play. Um, they're 
too many cup competitions to count and you're going to need a really strong base to, to make that whole thing happen. I'd agree. I think it's true. And the best thing about it is we're seeing same guys get chances, uh, which is good because, you know, it's not just four minutes, one month, they have to wait a couple months to maybe get 10 or 15, you know, Shalaba getting pretty consistent minutes is good to see Zuma in the second half of the season, getting consistent minutes. And same thing with Ake. We said, you know, there's no way Conte brings him back if he's not going to get a minute. So to me, I think that those are some important things as well is that it's just not kind of sporadic or very random who gets in. Uh, Conte has um, has definitely shown that he he believes in those guys. So uh, I will I will say one thing. I don't think uh, that we will see Begovic beyond this match um, unless Courtois were to get injured, which we we obviously hope does not happen. Because I, I think that has to be probably the last time he gets a shot and goal. Interesting. I mean, that is kind of one of those questions managers have to face. Is hey, he got you this far in the competition. Do you keep playing him or do you go for your best 11? That always happens in the later rounds, uh, you know, with these cup competitions. I remember Barcelona playing Pinto, you know, in the Copa del Rey in the final. And everyone's like, why would you not play Valdez? He's your number one. Um, but it was the loyalty to the player thing. And, it's, and it kind of goes the same way with even some of those fringe players as well. So I like the hot take, Dan. That'll give people something to think about. That's, I mean, we've done it before with Hilario and Cudicini, though. I mean, this is not a a, a, a super hot take from, from me, but I think that there, there's a certain essence of, um, you know, stick with stick with him. You know, I, I, I would, you know, I'll kind of take the opposite side from Dan on this. I, I think you have to... You know, if, if he's got you this far and Courtois jet setting around the world, then, you know, Begovic deserves the opportunity. By the way, uh, Chelsea did one of those things uh, where they do like quick, quick fire questions with Ruben. And apparently Ruben said that Begovic is the only footballer he's ever seen read a book. Hmm. That's a, that's a very odd, uh, odd bit of information. <laughs> It was, uh, it was, I believe it was in the, I don't know. It was on social media somewhere, but anyways, guys, any other thoughts on this match? Did we miss anything? Uh, I guess I will tee you up, Nick. I did see you tweet. I believe it was you, uh, during the match that you were a little disappointed. There's no Ruben Loftus cheek. Yeah, that would be kind of the last piece that I wanted to mention. Um, you know, besides Mishi who didn't, you know, obviously get a play Ruben was a sub in like what the 82nd minute. Um, you know, barely he got he got the minutes for Mishi treatment um, at the end of the match. But I can say conclusively after watching Hazard play or not play during this match that Ruben should have started. Um, even when he came on for that little bit of time, he looked really, really compact or really composed and uh, played a really good defensive game uh, for, for the last bit. So I really, Dan, wish I would have seen more of him because this is, again, the only opportunity he's going to have to play this year, it looks like. Yeah, especially when he was kind of anointed as not going out or not being someone that's going to go out alone. And, you know, you see the, the physical improvement that his game has made at this, you know, the, the jump from maybe earlier uh, in the season or even preseason to now. Uh, he is, is quite the, you know, the beast on the pitch, as it were. And to, to not have him getting some good time to, you know, kind of understand and, and, and learn and continue to develop uh, is, is is disappointing. Um, I think it's tough. I, I think it's tough to want to win every game that you go out and play for, but then also want 
every youth player that you passionately care about because we all have favorites uh, to, to get time. And I think those are never, you know, think about like a Venn diagram, those circles are never going to fully overlap. And you have to be excited for the opportunity that Anake gets, that Nate Dog gets uh, to, to play and to put in a great shift, uh, you know, and Azuma. But I think you also have to be, you know, saddened for those individuals, but also know that, you know, not every one of the 30 plus individuals in the lone army of Chelsea is going to make the first team. And so I think you have to, you know, we have to be realistic in our expectation that you might love a certain player like Kennedy, you know, like a Ruben Loftus-Cheek. They all will not end up in our first team. and But that's okay. Like that is okay if you're also okay with the fact that Chelsea wants to go and win things and you want Chelsea to win. If you don't care about winning at all, then let's feel the starting 11 that is all you tell and if you want to win all the time, you, you have to realize that that means one, two, maybe three youth players um, might end up in our starting 11. Again, that's okay, but it's not okay to just you know, kind of you know, blow up or explode because your favorite player is not the one getting the minutes. You know, that, that is an earned responsibility, uh, and you have to kind of trust that you know, Conte and the team are selecting players based upon how they perform in practice and how they perform on the pitch. I think general consensus would say Conte is managing the squad very well, uh, especially compared to the frustrations we had last time Jose was here. He got the trophies, but there was definitely an outcry for changes at some point, especially seeing youth players. And we're getting both now, uh, which is great. Nick, man of the match poll. Um, not the most hated week, I believe. Yeah, I you know. If the hate varies from week to week on this uh, on this poll, but uh, I went with I, again four options on Twitter, people. So I can't put the entire squad in here, but uh, I went with Pedro Costa, the goal scorers. I thought Moses had a good game, and Nathan Ake as my choices. Left out Cesc Fabregas, who I realized that uh, now after the uh, after the fact, because I put this out the minute the match ended, that he won the the Premier League Man of the Match. It looked like so. That was kind of interesting. I thought he had a pretty good game, but um, you know, still wasn't dominant by any means. Uh, Pedro, 34%. Costa, 6%. Moses, 14%. And Nathan Ake, the big winner for our poll, 46% of the vote. So congratulations to the birthday boy. We will be sending you your Man of the Match bottle of champagne in the mail, so be on the look. Yeah, that's what we do here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We, we're not sending that. Don't don't worry, listeners. Um, the sixth round draw will be taking place in a few hours at the time of recording. So by the time you listen to this, you'll already know who Chelsea will play. Um, there were some upsets in this round. So he, you know, here's who's left. At Lewis underscore Holden tweeted that he, you know, asking us who would we want to see in the quarterfinal, and he's going for Sutton with the the laughing emojis, obviously because that would mean that they would knock out Arsenal. Uh, the remaining teams that we could play are Lincoln, Fulham, or Tottenham. And we have an update. Uh, Tottenham are up one nothing at half. Uh, Blackburn or Manchester United, Sutton United or Arsenal, Middlesbrough, Chelsea, Huddersfield, or Man City, since they have a replay. That is going to be a big cash day for Huddersfield. Mm-hmm. Or Millwall, as Nick alluded to beforehand. So as you know, it goes, guys. That is not, you know, for being the quarterfinals – 
there are not a lot of Premier League teams. Again, only about half of them, just over half, depending on how a couple of these matches go on Sunday and Monday. I mean, you still have the potential for City. <clears throat> you know, Sutton's probably going to beat Arsenal. I think we all know that. But, <laughs> uh, United is probably going to go through against Blackburn. It looks like Tottenham might beat Fulham. So you still have Tottenham, United, uh, and City, along with Chelsea and Middlesbrough. Um but, Dan, I don't know about you. I want the Millwall Derby. I need that in my life. I think that would be just tremendous. Yeah, you know, uh, it might be cool to see uh, Izzy Brown and help Huddersfield make their way past Manchester City and uh, get a chance to play against them. Lincoln, obviously, has, has done an impressive job with the uh, PE teacher turned uh, first-team manager uh, to, to make it this far. Um, I mean, I think all of these could be some really awesome matches. Uh, I would not, you know, I I still want to play another Premier League side. Like I really, I I think the thing that's special about the FA cup is that you see these matchups that you don't see two, two times a year. And it's nice to get an opportunity to, to play a side that that is going to define their season and they're going to go balls to the wall and you have to respect what they're going to do. Otherwise you find yourself sitting at home during these weekends, wondering why you weren't there. Well, we'll, we'll see how it goes. You know, obviously the lesser of an opponent opponent, allegedly you think that more players will get chances to play, but we'll see. Like I said, by the time you listen to this, you're already know. So we can't really get too much into it. So with that being said, that is your match review against Wolverhampton Wanderers FA Cup match fifth round guys let's go ahead and move on to some social media questions but before that we have a very friendly message from World Soccer Shop here we go hey Dan um, let's say that you wanted to track your order on worldsoccershop.com how would you go about that without uh, flying a carrier pigeon to their headquarters and getting a reply back well, you know, really, Nick, Ravens only exist in the world of Westeros and Game of Thrones. Okay. Uh, you know, but what you would do, you'd want to sign up for an account on worldsoccershop.com. It's in the top right-hand corner. This says uh, click to create an account. You log in there. You put in two to three bits of information. You set up the account. You can track your orders. You can get notifications for great deals on Chelsea stuff. You know, sometimes they kind of you know, are communicating that. And we're, we're potting four or five days later, and you might want to have that shirt or that hat or whatever that might be for the match on the weekend when you head out to the pub with your friends. So building an account on worldsoccershop.com just makes sense. Dan, does this take like four or five hours to do, or is it like quick? Uh, only if you're going to uh, you know type one key at a time. Um, <laughs> if you're typing at normal speed, you're probably done in under two minutes. Sweet. Head over to worldsoccershop.com, sign up for a profile. All right, Chelsea fans, social media questions. Uh, Just so you know, the easiest way to get your questions submitted are on Twitter. We always tweet out that we'll be doing our next recording and ask for your questions. So I would recommend head on over to our Twitter profile and reply to that question. So first up, we have at Makachinu says, should Conte be starting Fabregas after his performance? Now, we have been asking this question for about the last three weeks. So I just want to kind of isolate it now. As you know, we're heading back into Swansea. Is the dude doing the business, Nick, or should we continue to start the Modic-Conte duo? 
Modic Conte duo. We've said this for three weeks now. I know that it's not the uh, seskiest answer um, that Ooh. you would want to hear, but uh, you know, look, we all know what Ses can do unless they change the formation uh, and put him kind of in the the number ten ish role or or some variation of midfield where he can be advanced. Then I, I just don't think Antonio Conte wants to give up the defensive duty in, in the midfield and uh, coming off of a, a week of rest, you know, Nemanja Matic should be ready to go. Uh, next one at Topher Wayne, a usual says he feels like the three, four, three is losing its bite time to switch it up or attempt to grind it out. Dan, again, something we've talked about a lot, but do you feel like this is something that Chelsea should be changing going into the Swansea match? No, I, I think it's it's time to uh, quote unquote grind it out, as it were. And I think that uh, this has been such an impressive string of performances. It's an incredible uh, win record. It's incredible goals scored, um, goals allowed, a goal difference. You know, it, it led us to I think a fantastic form. I think what's happening is that a lot of times now teams are, are sitting back to try to absorb and not allow us to to counter as frequently which in those moments we have even shifted on the pitch to being more of like a, a 4 4 You'll see someone drop back. You might even see it be like a 3 5 one um, or uh, a 3 5 two. Sorry. Uh, no one's just walking off the pitch. Um, but like, I, I think ultimately, you know, we, we should continue the success with it right now. I think where you're going to see a change is it will change during the match with things like substitutions, 65th, 70th, 75th minute. Um, that's when you see rotational changes to different formations. I don't think you'll see us start with a different formation outside of an injury uh, and anything other than a three four three for the remainder of the season. Uh, at M0S9W, Matt Wiggum says, is Bats ever going to play? Terry looked good and seemed to bail Chelsea out early on. Thoughts on that? Uh, you know, as I just kind of look at this real quick, we know that Mishi has a limited role this season with Chelsea kind of a good thing because that means Costa is absolutely clicking. Uh, you know, as far as Terry looking very good, you know, he was he was the leader amongst a couple boys on either side of him today, and, and he did. He stepped up and filled that role really well. We've seen him play on the left, and, well, we all know we don't want him to get isolated, but I thought today he did a good job of really uh, commanding that back line and being the leader for Zuma and Ake, you know, like I said, we let's not get into the Mishi too much. We just have to understand that it is a limited role this season. Uh, oh, look at this. At SP Beal. I'm sure our listeners are uh, getting sick of this. No, I'm kidding. Continue. <laughs> we love your questions. Uh, he asked, is it worth following Twitter during a Chelsea game? And now, obviously, Nick, you, for the most part, run the Twitter account. And I think that the correct answer is, yes, just us. <laughs> man yeah no this was i think i think our boy sp beal has, has kind of felt some of the same feelings i felt while <laughs> while posting during the match there's been a lot of whining lately folks and i don't i don't know what it is do we have to win five nothing for everyone to to calm down and and uh take a measured approach i mean what what i will say i don't want to give too much credence to the uh, to the trolls out there who just you know C word this or William needs to go after misplacing a pass. You know, you're, you're trash. I, I have no time for you. 
we have we have phenomenal fans who are usually pretty witty and you know we, we get a ton of good traffic during the game i would hope that those people just tweet more to drown out the rest of these idiots because it's just i i know that spb will see the same stuff i am and it's just very arsenal-ish so stop it all right quickly moving on we actually got a message on our facebook fan page so shout out to remy la rosa de billy he has a question for dan and i love this because this is literally out of nowhere are we missing oscar and or ramirez boom whoa well if we're missing them we can just send them a postcard um or when we're on our tour in china for the preseason we can drop by their homes and say hello. But I, I don't believe that we are missing their performances. In the last competitive match that I can remember Oscar playing for us is actually the first version of the Swansea match from this season. And, uh, it, you know, it's uh, I'm not missing, uh, you know, a 60 million pound transfer fee for Oscar or a close to 30 million uh, transfer fee for Ramirez. So, uh, I, I think that they are great players, uh, you know, great part of some of the, the historic moments of this club. Uh, I don't think we're missing them, especially when you think about in our midfield right now is a man uh, named Conte, who essentially is three players at once. He's a one-man trifecta, I guess you could say. Absolutely. He's, your, he's a Neapolitan ice cream. Gotcha. Mm. That's good. That's good uh, reference. All right. Uh, this is an interesting one that uh, I'm sure – all of you out there listening are aware of, but the Dom Solanke question got brought up to Conte in the pre-match press conference, and this kind of stirred up some dust around it. Mm-hmm. If you're unfamiliar, uh, Solanke, I believe his father's his agent, they are requesting politely that Chelsea pay him $50,000 a week to remain at Chelsea. Chelsea have said no like that really breaks our wage structure, especially for someone who had one good loan spell at Vitesse. He's included in the senior squad this season, purely from a, like a, a filling in the roster standpoint. Uh, every time we see Chelsea unseen and they show us the development Academy, Solanke is playing with them. He is not even really around the first team. His contract is set to expire at the end of the season. Nick, you had an awesome share to our Facebook group. Uh, you know, a friend of the pod, a former guest, Jesus. He had a he had a really interesting take on should Chelsea pay Solanke fifty thousand big ones every single week to stay on. Right. I'm I'm gonna just read this so I'm not uh, putting words in in Jesus's mouth. But so, dear Dom Solanke, you can kindly leave if you please. The fact that you're not a proven player and yet are making such ridiculous demands is absurd. These players make around what you're asking for and genuine, genuinely deserve way more. And I'll get into those players in a second. Uh, I'm sure you'll find a desperate club willing to pay you 50K a week, but it definitely won't be us. The players around 50K-ish uh, that he's referencing, and there are a couple that are higher, a couple that are lower. Uh, Asmir Begovic, 60 million pounds, uh, has played uh, as a, a great sub and has filled in when, when injuries have come up. 60,000 a week, oh, yeah, just to clarify. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 60,000 a week. This isn't China. Yeah, it isn't. <laughs> You're correct. China's looking at this like, how can we get in on this now? Uh, uh, Kurt Zuma, who I think we all agree, bright future, fantastic uh, club participant, uh, 40,000 a week. Gary Cahill, captain of this club right now, 85,000 pounds a week. Cesar Espilicueta, 
70,000 pounds a week. Are you kidding me? 70,000 pounds a week. Dude's criminally underpaid. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, a, you know, I would say a like-for-like like comparison, 35,000 pounds a week and has played. Victor Moses, who I think is the hardest, you know, one of the hardest working dudes on our team, 45,000 pounds a week. Solanke is out of his mind, and, and it's probably not him. It's probably he's getting bad advice from his dad, but it's absurd. 50K a week, Dan, for, for a guy who's never even played. Yeah, that's what they call ridiculous. <sighs> yeah, like, ridiculous. Cesar's Piliqueta only makes 20 grand more than what he's requesting, and Dave could be a future captain of the club. So, I, look, come on. Dave should be making twice what he's making, by the way. I, I think we should all start up the the Dave for 140 campaign. <laughs> uh, he, he already resigned recently, so uh, I think his uh, his ability to negotiate a higher wage uh, might be a little lost in the moment. But I'm sure if he continues pumping out the performance he had performances he has been, uh, you know, they could always increase that if they uh, if they so choose. But he's also, uh, you know, four years away from the magical number of thirty, which you know, you look at like Gary Cahill on that list at uh, thirty at eighty five. Um, you know, he's, you know, his next contract, you know, depending upon his performances might not be uh, anything, but potentially maybe even a little less on a weekly basis, depending on where his performance is and where his uh, inclusion in the squad is. So at Pharaoh 17, you all know the man, he kind of agrees with this. He wanted our thoughts on the entire Solanke situation. You know, Pharaoh says he's one of the most talented youngsters, but definitely not worth the 50 K contract. However, Feroz continues, should we be letting talented youth go to like go like this? Should we be letting them leave? He says, but then again, the club shouldn't be held hostage. So I think that's the thing is like the club are more than happy to talk. We don't want our best players to leave. There's only so much you can do sometimes. Same thing for, you know, you and I, if we go into our boss's office and say, hey, I'm making $50,000 a year right now. I would like 120. And they go, great. What have you done? And you're like, I come to work every day. Like that's not enough. You know, you gotta, you gotta show the upside to it. And I apparently Liverpool are sniffing around and I've seen, you know, Arsenal be linked and that's fine. Um, But you know, when you compare, like I wasn't really sure until Jesus shared this and Nick, thank you for putting in the groups on Facebook, the players around that 50 K mark. I mean, it is really hard for him to justify that having a couple like good loan moves and nothing crazy, you know, Tammy Abraham is crushing it, you know, in the championship right now, and he's not knocking on the door asking for 50. Right. Well, uh, it would be really quickly, Dan. It would be to yeah. Brandon's work analogy. It would be like the uh the intern uh requesting 45 grand a year uh because he, you know, occasionally did a task correctly. It just makes no sense. Yeah, I, I do think, though, when you look at the amount of money that these teams have and look at the amount of money some of these you know, Chinese offers or, you know, or international offers are being you know, put on the table, I also don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that some of the existing contracts and where they are comparative to contracts that we will sign with players in the next uh, you know, summer or even uh, winter windows – you know, might have wage fees from a weekly basis higher than players that are currently have a negotiated rate because uh, you know a, a Nike kit fee, a maybe a new sponsorship, whatever it might be. Like I, I think you know these 
ones that we're talking about with Cesar and Moses and Rudolph's cheek, like those could potentially go up as well. But I do think that it's not out of the realm for someone to be asking for, for more when you, when you see that there's that opportunity. And then also if you want to get paid more and a club is willing to do it, then, then you should, you know, go there. Like, I mean, you know, if you feel like you want to value your talents at a certain level, and again, whether that's him, whether that's, you know, the influence, uh, you know, he has that right as, as a player to, to go and do that. And I'm sure that there is some squad out there that will pay him, maybe not 50, but there's certainly some squad that will pay him more and he might get an opportunity to play. And ultimately that would be the best thing for him because it, takes him out of a situation that maybe, you know, is untenable for us to keep him happy. Uh, and then also frees up an opportunity to play someone who, who does want to be here and, and will be happy with the wage that they're being compensated with. And he'll go someplace where he feels like his talents and is valued at the level that he thinks monetarily it should be. Uh, and the last thing to wrap it up is uh, also a shout out to uh, Feroz because he had a birthday too. So uh, happy birthday to uh, one of our favorite YouTube editors. And now, uh, you know, contracted uh, Byron employee for, uh, yeah. for that wonderful video he did for them. Yeah, apparently. He's, he's just having a big month. Absolutely. Premier League TV as well, talking to Ian Wright. So thank you again, everyone, for your questions. Honestly, this is one of our favorite segments to do because, uh, like Nick said, our listeners are the best, and you guys have questions that are just on fire. So let's go ahead and jump over to the Swansea preview. And real quick, We've got a fantastic deal for you. Not even clickbaiting you on this. Here's what we've got. So, uh, hey, hey, Nick, I know uh, you're, you're a little down on uh, and his art performances right now. You know, just a little bit. I mean, I, we don't have to go into the whole expose, but yeah, just you know, a little bit. Just want to see him perform. You know, what what, what if you know, you had the option though through World Soccer Shop to uh, maybe acquire an Enhazar jersey at a reduced price? Would that make you feel a little better? It would. Would this kit also have magical powers? Does it come with that? You know, uh, maybe. Uh, in only the ones that you can envision in your mind. Okay. But uh, it is the Chelsea 1617 Hazard number 10 jersey, uh, typically 125 uh, now 99.99, dollars so saving $26. Um, right now for worldsoccershop.com great way to uh, go on with bang from uh, from an adidas perspective before we transition to nike sounds like a good idea i'm gonna go there right now and get one you know what chelsea fans as we get ready for this swansea preview i'm even going to one up that offer world soccer shop has free shipping right now as well again click our link go there get your hazard jersey and do ship 90 is your code. That is something that is live right now. Don't wait because it's not going to last. But Swansea is who we're going to be facing next in the Premier League. Going back to Stamford Bridge this coming Saturday, February 25th. Swansea had the week off. They did not play in the FA Cup because they were knocked out back in the third round by Hull City. You can expect them to be well-rested and ready to go with their new manager, Paul Clement, at the helm, Dan. Yeah, you know, this is a, a different Swansea than what we would have seen previously in the season. Uh, it would have been really cool to, to go up against a Bob Bradley coach side, but uh, we're getting the uh, former uh, you know, Chelsea duo in uh, Clement and Makaleli uh, led Swansea coming to us. And they were in a pretty, pretty good run of form. Uh, you know, three wins, uh, two losses, beating Leicester, beating Southampton, uh, beating Liverpool in, in a cracking game, uh, and then losing uh, two on to Man City, which I actually think they should have won that game. 
and uh, getting kind of smattered uh, versus Arsenal. But, uh, you know, obviously uh, that kind of included a little bit of a changeover period there for Clement. So the last time we played the Swans, Nick, the lineup we had, it doesn't even look familiar. We're playing a 4-1-4-1. You had, obviously, Courtois and goal, but our back line was Ivanovic, Cahill, Terry, and Dave. Our midfield, you had Engo Lacante sitting by himself. Then you had William Oscar, Matic, Hazard with Costa up front. I mean, how things have changed, not only for Chelsea, to be fair, but also for Swansea. I mean, this is just going to be a different matchup. Yeah, uh, you know, I would I would look at that lineup with uh, fear and regret if that was out there today. Um, <laughs> but it, it's not. Uh, and you know, the thing is, funny thing about the Premier League is it never seems like we play the down teams when they're down. It seems like they're on a a magical run of form by the time we get to play them again. You know, kind of like Hull City, uh, you know, who was much tougher the second time around. Um, but yeah, they're uh, Swansea's on a on, on a really good run. Uh, Clement looks like the real deal as a as a manager. I know he's had some uh, some frequent stops, but that's a guy who's worked under Carlo Ancelotti. And you know, I think anyone with a brain would say that Carlo is a pretty good uh, mentor to have. So uh, you know, excited for Swansea uh, to to not be relegated. But it you know, I'm also excited for Chelsea to go out there and do the business this weekend. Dan, as we rewind to the 2-2 draw away at Swans earlier in the season, it was a weird match. Uh, You know, Costa got Chelsea off to a bright start with an early goal. Then the second half starts horribly with Courtois showing us how not to slide tackle in your own box, giving up a penalty kick. Thankfully, not a red card two years in a row. Uh, Then poor old Calamity Cahill was in action because do you remember when Leroy Fur whacked him from behind and literally gave him the ball on a breakaway? And then we ended with Costa biking home the equalizer late in the match in the 81st minute. I mean, that was a game that, we were chasing. It was sloppy. We didn't really know what to expect out of our team at that point because it was still early in the season. I mean, people might have even been calling for Conte to be sacked back then. Oh, wasn't that when uh, the the betting odds went up for you know Conte to be terminated as manager of Chelsea? <laughs> like the, the the stupid beginning of the season narrative that kind of unfolded, and this was. Definitely a match that I don't think if we played it again today with the lineup we have, uh, you know, in in uh, the Swansea Stadium, that we would have a, a, any performance similar to this. I, I think it will be a much more managed uh, game. I, I think Clement also has uh, brought a little bit of discipline to the Swansea side, a little bit more of a defensive structure. And I think that we're we're set up with the way that our players are at right now to go out and, and as Nick said, do do the business uh, at this point in the season. Because uh, I really don't want to see another penalty conceded. I don't want to see another uh, fair situation where Cahill kind of gives them a goal. Uh, I, I don't think that's where our team is at anymore from a form standpoint. And I think that we're actually in a really good position to uh, – uh, make make things difficult for Swansea. 
So as we kind of look at the matchups and kind of keys to success, as we look at Chelsea style versus Swansea style, Chelsea do like to attempt a lot of through balls. Swansea play a high line, and they also don't do a great job at defending on through ball attacks. You know, I, I, not to reignite this whole Fabregas situation, but it almost seems like the perfect match if Swansea's going to play a high line against Chelsea uh, to use him to unlock them all match. But at the same time, like, we have seen other players, especially our, our wide players, being able to find each other as they kind of rotate across the back line, Nick. And you just hope that with that attacking trio, if they can continue to have that kind of movement up top and, and creating a lot of confusion, like Swansea's back line is not the most robust, obviously, that we've seen all season. Correct. Um, I think they do have a bit of solidity now, uh, and I think they're they've found something to play for you know, mentally, which is, is good for them. But uh, at Sanford bridge with the talent that Chelsea should have on display, assuming that Hazard shows up that, you know, perhaps Fabregas gets some minutes, you know, that, that William and or Pedro, you know, probably Pedro uh, shows up and, and Costa is, is able to uh, occupy some of uh, some of Swansea's defenders uh, without getting into shenanigans, uh, then I think we should have the uh, the run of the game because N'Golo Conte right now is playing as good as a, a midfielder can play in his position. So I, I never worry about that side of things. You know, we should have David Luiz back. We should have Marcus Alonso back. If not, Nathan Ake gets a start in the left wing back role, and I'm psyched about that for him too. So all positive for me here because you know I think this will be a, a fun match to watch. So, yeah, as we look to wrap it up, Dan, you know, Swansea have jumped up to 15th and actually four points clear the relegation zone. You know, like Nick said, it seems like we always find teams at their best. And when you're top of the table, you're always going to get that extra bit of effort as well because who doesn't like knocking off the, the top team in the table? I think this is a really big week for Chelsea to reassert their dominance as well and say Burnley was a blip, even though the FA Cup midweek was a different squad, like you noted. You just, you just hope that, again, one match a week, plenty of time to rehab, get guys healthy, and they'll be able to step out there and just do the business. Yeah, you know, I think if you look at – we mentioned the Burnley game, right? The Burnley had the opportunity to go you know, level with us off of giving up a free kick opportunity and scoring, converting a goal there. And I think with the quality of player uh, specifically from Gilfie, you know, I, I think ultimately that would be my biggest concern is giving up a set piece or set pieces and giving them the opportunity to whack it in there. Because I, I honestly think from open play, uh, we, we, we cannot or we will not be exploited in that way. I think, you know, they are going to try to come at us and get set pieces in dangerous positions. And that's where we, you know, have not been the most concrete of a defense. And so that's where my, my biggest concern would be beyond that. I think actually the way that we play on the, the quick break and the counter, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I fancy Pedro continuing his scoring run uh, based upon the way that they give up some, some quick goals uh, and have done this season. I think Brandon, you make a good point about Sesk in this match, even though I don't think it'll happen. If he were to play in the midfield, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be uh, be too upset about that. Um, I you know I don't think Antonio Conte will do that, but you you see you know I, I watched their match against Liverpool and I watched their match uh, recently against City. You see opportunities 
for them to be countered the hell out of. Um, and, you know, just w- when you play a high line and, and they're, uh, fullbacks push up. I mean, there's there's space there to be had. So you would assume Sesk, with all of his magical talents, would be able to exploit some of those spaces. Um, and and maybe he will. Maybe at home, that's the the proper venue for him to uh, to put on the old magic hat again. Well, you know, we'll just go ahead and run him down for sixty minutes and throw him on to uh, go assist crazy at the end of the match. But Chelsea fans, let us know what you think. As always, you can get a hold of us in so many different ways: Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, the email and website but with that being said let's go ahead and wrap this up with some final thoughts guys it has been a jam-packed episode for you know if you just looked at twitter you thought it'd be the end of the world but we are doing just fine nick what do you have for everybody uh, my final thought today um would be just to uh, uh you know i think give credit where credit is due um you know, I would like to applaud professionalism from our team. Um, you know, you, you look at last year, we, we keep on harkening back to last year as, as kind of hashtag never forget. But uh, I think against a team in a cauldron atmosphere like it was up at Wolves that, I, you know, last year's team would have folded and probably lost that game. Uh, this year's team fought valiantly, even though it wasn't pretty uh, and, and put in a, a shift and, got some really good experience for young players in, in that type of atmosphere. So all, all good things here and, uh, and would uh, conclude with, um, you know, something that I think we're all trying to uh, potentially do at the end of the year. And that is uh, potentially a live show from, uh, from across the pond. So just a, a sneaky little teaser there, but we may, uh, we may try and make it. Dan, what do you have for everyone? You know, I want to say that it was really cool uh, prior to the match is that, uh, you know, uh, Morris Kidd's uh, side won uh, almost the, the largest, uh, by the largest margin wow. over Brighton with the under-18s at uh, 13 to nil with uh, two hat tricks and uh, a double brace uh, from Brown, which was pretty incredible. And then uh, following that up, the... Uh, under 23 or the Premier League two side, uh, they did lose to, to Manchester City in uh, a four to three. But ultimately, what was really cool was uh, yeah, Charlie Masanda Jr., who has been called for by a lot of fans uh, who are very excited to see him play. Uh, was able you were able to see him? It was actually available via Facebook Live, and he was very impressive. Actually, scored one of the goals, and so uh, I would just keep an eye out for those. Um, those you know under under twenty three or Premier League two, then under eighteen matches. Uh, you know I think it's easy to say like, oh man, this person, this player deserves their shot, or their opportunity. Uh, and you know what? Unless unless you're watching these matches and you're just kind of reading, you know, someone else's perspective, like it's an opportunity to educate yourself on, on the quality of the players, what they're good at, what they're not good at, and, and develop your maybe own opinion. Like I, I think obviously we have some you know good opinions here and some strong opinions. Are they most formed? Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. And I think that's where we as a community only get better if we're absorbing that information and then talking about it and sharing it as individuals and and developing a consensus together. Well done. Yeah, there's some awesome stuff uh, that the youth teams are doing as well. I would just like to wrap it up by saying, hey, there is a Chelsea Supporters Trust meeting after the Swansea match next week. Even if you are not in London, as most of our listeners are not, you will be able 
to attend virtually at mixler.com slash Chelsea hyphen fancast. We'll post this, but be smart and get ahead of this by going following Chelsea's supporters trust on Twitter. Uh, Chidge is the chairman this year, so you can reach out to him. He will be able to hook you up with the details. We will be retweeting and posting things as well, but it's important. And they're going to be doing a Q&A with the chairman of the Chelsea pitch owners as well, which is very important as Chelsea look to secure their future at Stamford Bridge for the next, what, 999 years or so? Anyways, Chelsea fans, it's important. Check it out. But with that being said, that is a wrap for this episode. As always, Chelsea fans, we have another week to wait. But until next time, keep the blue flag flying high. All right, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap for this week. Don't panic, though, as we'll be back after Chelsea's next match. So to be sure you don't miss it, subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at LondonBluePod. Until next time, Chelsea fans, keep the blue flag flying high.